She said, quick. How come? <laughs> it's been a great morning so far, hasn't it? Beautiful flowers, great food. Our wonderful star power, Gail Crowley. <laughs> great opportunities with mission. It's been a great morning so far, and it's going to get better because Mark Kramer is going to come speak to our group. Mark has worked with youth here for 20 years, and he finally got promoted to the big class. <laughs> now, he talks to, now he talks to the big people. And so he is going to introduce himself with this Mark Kramer. I'm going to try without the microphone. Can you hear me loud and clear? It's, it would be much easier without it if that's okay with y'all. I feel like I have a voice that sort of carries. So, um, I do want to spend a moment or two um, just introducing myself. Um, my wife Ellen and I have been married for 34 years. We have three daughters. Liz, Emily, and Ann, 30, 26, and 22. Uh, I would appreciate your prayers for Liz and Emily. They are not Christ followers. They have been introduced to the good news of Jesus and for some reason do not embrace him. So I would greatly appreciate your prayers for Liz and Emily. My daughter Ann is a senior at Georgia. She will be graduating in less than a month. She's going to intern with RUMC's youth department this summer because she is convinced um, very clearly that she's being called to be a youth minister. And I, and I think it's a great decision on her part because she will have the reference of Mike Long and the reference of Jason Scott, who just gets all kinds of high marks from me as, as a youth minister. Um, so I have been, um, I have been an adult volunteer with RUMC's youth group since Liz was in sixth grade. Liz is in, is 30 now, so I, I think that's, it might be 18 or 19 years instead of 20, but it's, it's been a while. And, uh, I have been blessed beyond words, um, to have been called in that way. The, lesson that I want to teach this morning um, is actually not original with me. Many of you know Todd Chancy. Todd Chancy taught Bereans humpteen years ago. It was when we were um, down there. What is this the B building? Yes. Why can't I keep A and B separated? All right, so this is the B building. So it was when Bereans were in the A building, and Todd came and talked to us, and he gave one of the two Sunday school lessons that I remember. Um, the other one, Daryl Lee did, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a preview of Daryl Lee's. It was, can this man be saved? And Daryl went from the book of Acts, he looked at, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, he looked at Saul, and he looked at the Gentile Cornelius and asked the question, can this man be saved? And the answer was yes. And if those men could be saved, then all people can be saved. Now that has nothing to do with this lesson, but that was the other Sunday school lesson that I remember so vividly. Todd Chancy came and talked to the Bereans about Peter's three mistakes. And um, that lesson really hit home with me. And it, it, does, um, it does such 
a nice job of speaking to me because I made the same mistakes that Peter made and I found myself in the exact same place that he was. So um, I, do, I do think that the lesson has evolved from that and I've, uh, I've had the opportunity, I got to teach it at uh, Lassiter's FCA and at uh, Roswell's FCA and I think to one other class here. So um, I love the lesson, I hope you do. Peter's three mistakes. Now, you can, um, we can do this one of two ways. We can build up to the climax, or in case you happen to suffer from ADD, attention deficit disorder like I do, you're going to get the nuts and bolts right at the beginning. Or in case um, you happen to have trouble staying awake for more than 10 minutes of a lesson, you're going to get the lesson up front just in case you doze off on me. Now, the last person to doze off on me during a lesson uh, got hit in the head with a strawberry. Relax. I don't have any strawberries with me today, so I won't be doing that. Peter's three mistakes. He slept when he should have prayed. He followed Jesus at a distance. And he warmed his hands at the enemy's fire. What happened because of his sake? This part, I, I would bet $2 that everybody in here knows what happened. The consequence of his mistakes, he denied Jesus. Why? We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but the why is why I personally relate to this. And I guess at this point I should jump in and tell you just a little bit about me. Um, it's a, a snapshot of my testimony. Um, I became a Christian when I was in 11th grade. I grew as a Christian through high school and through college, and then through a series of events, I found myself isolated from other Christians. Um, I had unrealistic expectations of Jesus, and I was isolated from other Christians, and because of those unrealistic expectations of Jesus, I got mad at God, I told God to forget it, and I stayed mad at God for 18 years. So, um, I think Peter had the same issues back then that I had fairly recently. Um, I think Peter's belief in Jesus was um, based on a de defective view of Christ. I think it was based on some half-truths. I think um, he had unrealistic expectations of Jesus, and that's why, momentarily anyway, he threw in the towel, he denied Jesus, he denied his faith. Okay, so... Um, if we needed to end at 10.15, we could. But since we can go a little further, we will. Um, I'm going to spend a little time reading. I, I love the Word, and I, I love getting to know the Word, and so we're going to spend a little time in the Word this morning. Uh, Peter slept when he should have prayed. I'm going to read from Matthew, the 26th chapter, starting verse 36. Matthew 26, starting verse 36. You'll be familiar with this, <coughs> if I ever get there. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. You're all familiar with this. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here with me and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, 
If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And of course right there is another lesson in and of itself. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Peter slept when he should have prayed. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time, came back, found them sleeping, sleeping. Went away a third time, came back, found them sleeping. And he says, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Okay, so Peter slept when he should have prayed. You know what happens next. Jesus is arrested. And then, um, I think this little part gets skimmed over if you haven't ever heard Todd Chancey teach this lesson or you haven't heard Mark Kramer borrow from Todd Chancey. Um, in Luke 22, verses 54 and 55, we've got his second and third mistakes. Luke 22, 54 and 55. So Jesus has been arrested. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Um, Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Um, we are not called to follow Jesus at a distance. We are called to follow him with all our heart. But Peter followed Jesus at a distance. It reminds me of Solomon... And I'm going to thumb to that. This is 1 Kings, uh, just one verse, but 1 Kings is, does such a good job, I think, of describing how Solomon followed God at a distance. Again, I think we're familiar with Solomon and the fact that he was the richest, wisest man in the world. Uh, the Lord blessed him richly, and then I think you know that Solomon had an issue with um, wealth and women and got into all kinds of trouble over wealth and women. Boy, that's never happened since then, has it? First um, Kings 11.6. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And why? He did not follow the Lord completely. Just like Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Peter also warmed his hands at the enemy's fire. Now, I know we all agree that there ain't nothing wrong with warming your hands at a fire. I would have given my little toe to have been able to warm my hands at a fire when I was in Houston on Thursday, dressed for 80 degrees, and it was 50 degrees. It doesn't get much colder than Houston at 50 when you're dressed for 80. Nothing wrong with warming your hands at a fire, but there's a big issue with warming your hands at the enemy's fire, trying to blend with the enemy, trying to fit in trying not to stand out. Um, it reminded me of Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and he said to them, do not, uh, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, so it's a big deal that Peter warmed his hands at the enemy's fire. He was compromising. He was fitting in. He was blending. And so 
what happened, the consequence is, he went on and denied Jesus, just as Jesus had predicted three times. And I say he did that because he had unrealistic expectations. His faith in Jesus at that point was based on half-truths. He had a defective view of Christ. And I do, I want to show you a couple of things where Peter had his ducks in a row. He had his facts right. Um, I refer back to John, um, and this is, this is where at a point in Jesus' teaching where his teaching got especially difficult and hard to accept. And in John 6, Jesus says, um, well let me get there. In John 6, Starting in verse 69, Jesus says, um, okay, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And he looks at his twelve and he says, how about you? Do you want to desert me as well? Do you want to leave too? And Peter answers him with words that are as real today as they were then. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So, you know, Peter had that sorted out, didn't he? Excuse me, I really don't think I'm going through puberty, although based on that one observation, you might think so with my voice cracking like that. Um, Also, you'll remember the wonderful proclamation of faith that Jesus made, and I will refer to that in Matthew 16, where Jesus asked his disciples, um, who do people say I am? Okay, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, I'm here to tell you that Peter had... A lot of his facts right, just like I had a lot of my facts right long, long time ago. But, I, and I also think that Peter believed that Jesus was, well, he just says you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. You are the king who is to deliver us from Israel's enemies. All right, see, all of that is true. That's why Jesus came, to deliver Israel from their enemies but not in the way that they expected. Um, they, I just made contact with Roger and Gail. One of my favorite 11th grade buddies is Tyler Witt. Y'all are going to love the way he described this. So Jesus, I mean Peter, and so many of his peers, so many of his contemporaries, believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the king who was going to deliver them from their enemies. But he expected... They expected a conqueror with sword drawn riding on white stallion. Not, as my friend Tyler Witt said, not riding on an ass. And then, as my other friend Haley Stonecipher said to him, you could have said donkey. (laughs) So, Peter expected this conquering Messiah, didn't he? He did not expect a suffering Messiah. He did not expect a Messiah who was going to be arrested. He did not expect his Messiah to die. But we have 
the vantage point of history, and we look, we look back and we know that's exactly what Jesus needed to do. That's why he came. But when that happened to Jesus, Peter's world was turned upside down because he had this defective view of Christ. His faith in Jesus was based on some of the truth, but not all of the truth, just like what happened to me when my world got turned upside down. And I think that we all can identify with that. I could be wrong. You know, Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me and Peter, so I could be wrong. But I think we all can identify with that. At some point, our view of God has been defective. It's, it's been based on a half-truth. It's been based on an unrealistic expectation. And when that unrealistic expectation is not lived up to, what happens? Not all of us are as extreme as Peter was and I was, but our faith is at least shaken. Um, in my case, it was shattered. And in Peter's case, it was temporarily shattered. Now, I mean, here's the good news with Peter. Peter went on to believe in that suffering servant Messiah, didn't he? He went on to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he went on to be the, um, the rock, the cornerstone on which Jesus built his church. And so, my, if there is a, well, for me, specific application, and I, and you're welcome to get anything else out of this that is spoken to your heart this morning, but to me, there's such a simple formula, and now I, I, I feel like I am preaching to the choir, but there's such a simple formula. We are called to follow Jesus, not at a distance. We are called to follow Jesus with all our heart. And the way to do that is, well, there are several ways to do it, but a very simple formula is get to know Jesus. Get to know the Word of God. Get to know our Savior and Lord. And as we do, see, it's just this nifty little formula. As we do, we get to know Him better. As we get to know Him better, we love Him more. We want to follow Him more. We understand Him more. And what happened to Peter, and roughly 2,000 years later to me, maybe won't happen to you and your kids and your grandkids. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you so very much uh, for this opportunity you've given me to come and teach this class. What an honor, Lord. Thank you that I have gotten to do it. I'm truly grateful for that. And we all pause together and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he took our place on the cross that you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteous of him. Thank you for that, Lord. And thank you for the example of Peter. And thank you even for my testimony, Father. Um, help us not to let our faith be based on a defective view of you. Help our faith not to be based on half-truths. And help us to get to know your word better and to get to know you better. And I know that we will, and I thank you that we will, fall in love with you more as we do. This night, man. Okay, thank you all. appreciate getting to be here. Thank you, Mark. Certainly. Thank you. Certainly. You wouldn't have known, but you just followed Jim McCormick for two weeks who was teaching on, I have decided to follow Jesus. We sang that, and it's been on our head over and over again. Well, it's it's funny how the Lord sort of ties little things like that in together, I think. It is, it is. Uh, 
One little tidbit I did not say to you earlier, but you got an email from George for me this week with a follow-up on our, our session last Sunday after lunch with what we had learned and determined from that. So I wanted to say to you that we are already putting that into motion. You've gotten a report from the tables. You've gotten a list of the offices in the nominating committee, and they will begin to work really soon. So if you want to nominate somebody or you want to serve in a particular place, you saw the list of people at the bottom to contact. Uh, you asked for the refreshment host to be listed in the newsletter. They were. Uh, we will soon start a little extra coffee collection. We had a gathering song this morning to try to keep us, bring us on in. We have had the landscape group get to talk during the week about picking up the extra property on the south side of the sanctuary building, and they are in motion. Uh, it was recommended that the foundation income be posted toward the Peru gadgets, proclaimers. So you've had the presentation on that, and we would ask the foundation committee to begin to think forward on what they're going to do this year to contribute toward that. So we're gaining on. If you had a particular thing in your list in there, I would love for that committee to start looking at what your recommendations were. So it did come out of the missions committee, the recommendation toward the proclaimers. And now, any other comment about that? You got the information. We're working on it. The, we've done the fruit of the Spirit for the last three or four months with our Bible verses, so we've done love, joy, and peace. This time we start with patience. <laughs> and you know I do those several months ahead, so I don't even know what's coming up until it comes out with George's letter. But this week our, our scripture was Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And when I read that Friday, I thought about Jim and what's going on with his patient in affliction. And I thought, I think that's speaking to me. And Dad blame if Malone didn't use that in the wedding yesterday when he was speaking to Jim and Sharad of be patient in affliction, joyful in hope, faithful in prayer. So go forth this week patiently.